I wanted a book that you could kind of cry at, but at the same time, you just knew this was made for me. This was made by somebody who was in the same situation and that at the end of the day is going to give them hope because somebody went through the same problems we did. They spent all this time and at the end of it, they got to go home too. And that's what I really wanted the message to be because it's a celebration, the whole book of all the milestones, the funny things, especially because the nurses, they would celebrate the milestones just like it was the Super Bowl. They do all these pictures and congratulations. It's all the little things we appreciated. It really do be like that sometimes. Let's try this again. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Welcome back to another episode of The Selfie Show. Where we are bringing you the weekly dose of sweet and salty. I am Tori, the co-host and founder of The Selfie Show. I am a nurse, blogger, and podcaster. And I am Sam, a fight nurse, college professor, podcaster, powerlifter, and also the co-host of The Selfie Show. <laughs> We're a mess today, We're per huge. But today we are getting into it with Adam Wood. He's former military, but now turned NICU dad, author, and meme lord. <laughs> meme goals over here. <laughs> yes, this is a, so much fun. This was such a funny episode. We can't wait for your, you guys to get into it with us today. Okay, so I have a new obsession. Can we Please talk about me. this? I need to know. Okay, so you're going to be shocked when you hear this. I am literally obsessed with Justin Bieber <laughs> and his wife. Can I just talk about this? Yeah, I am actually very interested. Okay, so um, I just watched the new documentary on Amazon, um, and it's called Our World. And so it's basically, it goes through uh, a quick little recap over, I think it was over quarantine or, you know, during pandemic with Justin Bieber and his wife, Haley. I am literally obsessed with how cute they are. They are probably my new favorite couple, my okay. new favorite celebrity. Okay, I have such sure. like a love hate because there's certain things I've seen where it seems like he's like mean to her. No, no, this no, this, you this will think? you gotta watch. You gotta watch. He's just like I. I have I a love hate with that. him too. Like I'm a beeb. Like I stan beebs. Mm-hmm. But then there's I other didn't. times where I'm like, you're an asshole. Like yes. I've always liked him when people didn't. Like I've I've been with beebs since YouTube mm-hmm. before. Like Usher made him Justin Bieber. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Usher doesn't get the credit for that that he deserves, by the way. But then, obviously, he's hit rough. Like, I've always been for him. Now I'm, like, hit or Okay. Miss. Totally know. was on board with that. I was kind of like, eh, beeps, especially with this whole Croc situation. And no, like that collab, like Yeah, that gross. one points with me. But um, this documentary was just such a cute little insight or, like, sneak peek into their life. And I, either they did really good editing, but I actually really genuinely believe that. Something that I thought was really cute was he and his wife, they do a walk um, every day together, like, in the morning. And, like, it's genuinely, like, he would, you know, kind of vlog as they were doing it. And it was just so cute, so sincere. And so Jacob and I went on a walk yesterday in inspiration of Justin Bieber and Haley. But I'm like, they're so cute. And I'm like, you know what? I just really liked their relationship in general I thought that they did I I thought it was a cute sneak peek of their lives a lot of it was the the concert too but honestly highly recommend this documentary I am rooting genuinely genuinely for his happiness because I think growing up in the entertainment we see it go so wrong yes so often Mm -hmm. and I feel like he was so close to that point yes and then he pulled it all together and he talks about that yeah and his staff talk about it too it's really interesting. But I, w- I want to see him succeed. Yeah. Like, and long term. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. And then also this week, obsessed with, obviously, Squid Game. I did binge it in two days. Okay. And we both 
definitely stand. Okay, did you watch the dubbed version or did you listen to it in Korean and read the subtitles? I listened to the dubbed version, which I mistakenly should not have. I agree. So I did the dubbed version because I didn't know the other version was an option. Like Netflix just start. I was like, oh, everyone's talking about this. I pressed play and it was just, and I'm like, wow, this is definitely dubbed. Like what's happening? (laughs) And then I, after Googling it, realized, oh, I could watch it in Korean with the subtitles. And I kind of wish I did. I think I'm going to go back and now that I also have a base knowledge too, I think it would be cool to now go back and watch it and be able to read the subtitles because I've already seen it. So I do want to rewatch it in Korean. I, okay. My recap on it is just that I loved the beginning and then the middle lagged a little bit. And then the ending, like the last two, I was like, yes, okay, this is picked up. To me, episode two lagged where I almost stopped watching. Yeah. And then I stayed in it and then I was like, oh shit. There's definitely a little lag in it, but. The dub version though, honestly, I feel like they were basically casting that like, they picked the whitest sounding. Yes. Like uh, I'm like, are you named Todd yeah. and Chad? Like <laughs> literally Todd and Chad are the voice over actors for the dub okay. version. There was a lot of recap on the show and people who actually speak or, you know, from Korea or speak Korean basically said that the dubbed over version watered down the meanings mm-hmm. behind the show so much and that it kind of took away from what the show yeah. really, like how things were supposed to come across. But overall, I thought it was really good. But again, too, if you just click play on Netflix, it just automatically plays the dubbed version if you don't know. So I, that was something I wish I did know, but now that. I'm going to go back and rewatch. But okay. Big fan, especially it takes a lot for me to even turn the TV on. Yeah. But I wanted to understand the memes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I was like, everyone is posting these memes. I don't get them. Yeah. And making TikToks. So I was like, I have to watch this show now so that I can be. And now we fully get it. Yeah. Yeah. On board fully. It was good, though. I'm excited for season two. I'm invested now. Yeah. We're invested. We're we're here for it. Okay. What did you learn this week? So we have that. I mean, what did I learn like 10 minutes ago? Yeah, here we go. Tori and I did some market research today. That was very helpful. It was. So this is just a pro tip I have. So if you're FaceTiming with someone and you want to take a screenshot of it, but you don't want them to know you face you did. Yes. You can't press the circle on the FaceTime. Right. Because it will send a message and tell that, that person. That a screenshot was taken. Correct. But if you do the screenshot the old way where you do the like hold down and press the buttons on the left like the vo- the volume buttons to yeah. take a screenshot old it, school old school mm-hmm. they don't know that you did it yes we did the test you guys but we, we were sitting next to each other and we facetimed each other on the same couch and we're practicing the different ways to see if she could tell why i did I that was say, i was like samantha can you inform the audience i cannot as to why we needed this no i cannot disclose why this I, market research was necessary okay but it was and yes. now i'm wiser and here we go nobody's gonna know nobody's gonna know <laughs> nobody's, gonna, nobody's gonna, gonna know so pro tip if you need to facetime um okay if you're facetiming someone and or if you need proof that you spoke to this person maybe somebody on facetime okay yeah. love that for us okay love that for me <laughs> um, we don't love this for us unpopular opinion pumpkin is so overrated uh, yeah pumpkin Pump- the whole season. season okay can i also it's say so this? Lame. i wish that you and i felt differently on this topic so we could argue yes i know but this is sometimes where we're just superior human beings pumpkin season is so overrated i'm also like terrified of eventually when 
you and I or have kids, I'm like, going to a pumpkin patch is my, like, it's like my worst nightmare. Like, I don't want to go to a pumpkin patch and, like, take pictures and, like, the whole pumpkin thing. First of all, don't love the, the flavor of pumpkin. I'm not here for it. PSLs, no, thank you. Okay, I never pumpkin spice spiced. latte tastes like shit. It's just not my thing. And then everyone knows how much I love cold brew, so they're always asking me if I've tried the pumpkin cold brew. Mm. It's gross. Mm -hmm. It's sweet. It's fake. I like pumpkin bread, but mm -hmm. I like that as like a year-round thing from Starbucks. I don't even like pumpkin pie. I'm not. Mm. I like pumpkin pie, but there has to be more whipped cream than pie. Mm. <laughs> like the pie is just a vehicle yeah. to deliver the whipped cream to my mouth. So the pie is just the delivery method as a way to get all of that whipped cream in my mouth. Uh, see, I'm not even. Maybe I would have like a bite, a bite of like the Costco pumpkin pie because the Costco pumpkin pie is definitely superior to any Facts. pumpkin pie. Yes, but I'm just not. I'm not but all the pumpkin everything. Where everyone wants a pumpkin flavored pancakes, pumpkin flavored, just anything that you Trader could fucking right flavor now. as a pumpkin. I'm like, nah, yeah, nah, yeah, bruh. Yeah. The only thing I like pumpkin are like the pumpkin mass facial masks that are have the enzyme, the pumpkin that enzyme mask. Not for eating. Exactly. That has like nothing to do with That's pumpkin season. That's the point. I do give my dogs pumpkin. It's really good for dogs' stomachs mm. and digestive system is pumpkin. That. Yeah. If they're having like a diarrhea or GI issues, maybe okay. you you're like kind of like a dog. We maybe should give should you like some, some raw pumpkin. pumpkin. Maybe this is what I'm missing. In yeah, my life. but I'll give my dogs raw pumpkin, and it does like help with their stomachs or something. Okay. Hot the tip. other thing, I like pumpkin seeds. Nah, see, I'm not even here for that. I but don't it's like, like a but sunflower, I don't like sunflower seed. seeds anyway. I get pumpkin seeds on my acai bowls. <laughs> But this is not related to the season. This is loosely related to pumpkins. How do you feel about candy corn? No. People are either love it or no. hate it. There's no one who's indifferent about candy corn. No, I'm not. Mm -mm. I like peeps, though. Peeps are disgusting. Peeps are delicious. Also, like Zorro, or he loves peeps. Our horse, you guys, he loves peeps. <laughs> well, it's like the basically the One equivalent of eating a sugar cube. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's so good. I love peeps. <laughs> I like a Cadbury egg. Which a lot of okay. people are not into yeah, that. Yeah, I'm like a middle of the ground with those. It depends. You know, the it's a weird concept though. Like you should chocolate should not remind you of eating a raw egg. Yeah, it's, it's kind of gross. Weird. Also, that some of the flavors of the Cadbury eggs are like the caramel weird. ones are chill. Okay, yeah, I'm here for that. But <laughs> but all of you pump basic pumpkin spice hoes mm -hmm. or pumpkin everything, and oh, this is your time to shine. I'm happy for you. I'm genuinely so happy that this is your season, and it's I also hope Libra you're just season. So I'm here for that, but oh I'm just not here for the. I'm not here for the PSL. PSL season, no, we're out. For that reason, she's out. And for that reason, we're out. All right, you guys, we're getting into the guest of the week. You guys are in for oh, such a good one this week. So we have Adam Wood. He's a husband, father, retired military, and author of Our Premie Adventure. Him and his wife Jen spent 135 days in the NICU with their son Brady. And he was born at 25 weeks, mm -hmm. little one pound, four ounce muffin. Tori so and I have a cute. sweet spot in our heart for our, our micro preemies. Yeah. And he really shares today with us his journey about being in the NICU, getting into writing his book, and 
his social media. The thing that we really love about Adam is he really brings the humor into the NICU parent world. He opens up about his experience being not only a father of Brady, but also being a memer over on our preemie adventures. You guys, it's hysterical. Moreover, we're thrilled about this because he also wrote a book, which we're really excited to share with you guys today. We'll get into that. But he really gets into the ups and downs of their roller coaster journey with a lot of NICU dad energy today. You guys are going to get a lot of fun, a lot of humor in a pretty dark place. But actually, I think that what he's doing is creating this amazing community. We're being a little humor to you guys today. So without further ado, let's get into the show with Adam. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited. I see a face behind the memes. Yes. I know. It's... I know it's for a while people didn't even realize it was a guy do- was doing it. So <laughs> I feel no, like you give I, a lot of dad energy though. This is like <laughs> I try to throw it out a little bit for the dads because you know they they always get the shout outs. So yeah, certainly try to do that. Yeah, for sure. We're here for the Nikki dad energy. Okay, well we have to start <laughs> of course with our iconic question for you. What is your unpopular opinion? Ooh, on anything? Yeah, anything, anything. doesn't matter. Oh. Yeah, do it. Man, Go that there. is make somebody mad well, out there in the universe. All right, I'm gonna since you guys are out in California, so I'm gonna make a lot of Californians mad. I mean, I'm from the the East Coast. Don't but, talk about In and Out. Uh, Don't bring that negative. I'm about to. I'm about to. I'm about to. Go away. I was I was at In and Out a long time ago, and I had, I had friends from California, and all they ever talked about was it's the burger, man. It's the burger it of the century. The burger they of talked the century. it up. Like it was the second coming of Jesus himself. It is. Jesus had in and out at the Last Supper. You didn't know that? They uh, maybe that's why they crucified him because the, the burger was not that good. It, like they were, they got the. So I thought like, and this place only does like a handful of things. It's not like the menu's long. So I'm like, all right, great. I walk in, had the burger. It was good, but not what anyone what, said oh, it was. What is wrong? Oh, I need the order. Yeah, yeah, I need the order. There you go. Let me criticize. I, I got whatever the cheeseburger, or whatever, where my friend told me to Did get. You not get. It a was like a cheeseburger double? or whatever. Maybe double double. It was so long ago, it but I remember eating double, it and going. Double. One patty is not enough. We need redemption. What? Well, we need redemption. I, I, you might have to get me out there. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Let's whatever it was, he mm-hmm. said to get it, and I ate it. I was like, all right, this is good. But I was like, okay. And to be mm. fair, did you eat the cheese off the paper? Did you eat the First cheese? First of all, I thought the cheese, to be honest with you, might have been a bad experience. It tasted like they kept the plastic wrap on cheese when they made it. This is so this is really sad. Cool. We need we need to walk sad. you through it. We will take yeah. you next time. But I will say this: um, animal style fries are a must. So uh-huh. if you didn't do that. Big mistake. Big mistake. That's number one. Okay, I will say this though, and Sam and I agree here. Okay, McDonald's fries. Superior. McDonald's okay. fries are only good when they're hot, though. Not See, that's that's not a good thing fries. when the McDonald's fries are better than your burger joint. Like, <laughs> I that's... love McDonald's fries. Don't first of all, McDonald's fries. First of all, the, the burgers out here, I mean, the burgers came from this area of the country. And also, stop making pizza, California. All right? Anything from basically Wait, what do we get? New York. What do we get? You guys get anything avocado based, avocado based, tequila, all the health foods. Great. Like (laughs) Californians make this amazing stuff. But when it comes down to like the burgers and pizza, Mm -hmm. I've gone to everywhere in the United States. I've been to 39 different countries. And every time I order pizza, 
it's the most god atrocious thing on the planet. It, I like I literally want to. I feel like I want to. As an Italian, I will side with you and yeah. say that our pizza's trash. Yeah. And actually, the only place I've ever liked pizza is when I was in Italy because there was a shit ton of fresh mozzarella on it. They put prosciutto on it, and I was like, hell. And it's yes. authentic. Yes. It's different. Mm-hmm. It's a different one. Yeah. I don't like regular but, pizza. I'm not a big pizza I mean, it, person, so I can't. I don't stand for pizza. I'll take that. But what that's, I don't get is, okay. okay, so I was in Chicago mm. for the first time of my life in June. I don't get it. The whole deep dish thing, like, I didn't get it. I, I had the Giordano's. I mean, the, like, what's the big yeah. deal? I it's, was like, it's, I don't get it. It's deep dish so they can, like, bury the bodies inside the deep dishes. That's my theory. <laughs> There's, like, so much things going on there. It's like, all right. It's yeah. it's okay. Again, I think I'm up from the era where we're pizza snobs. So we have New Haven, New York, areas of Connecticut. And that's like the beacon where I'll eat pizza. If I go anywhere else and, and some of these franchises, I'm like, no, like I'm good. But burgers, if you're looking for burgers, I Number recommend one. if you do come out this way. Okay. So everyone says five guys. No, no. five guys is trash. No. See, that's where, I, that's where I also am going to piss off everyone. I think five guys is completely overrated. Yes. Um, Agreed. And for, and anyone that goes there, I say people that go there like, or know people that go there every day. First of all, how they're not dead by now, I don't even understand. <laughs> so they should be dead by the, by the amount of ingestions of, of the five guys. Cause I had it one time and I was in a food coma for two weeks, but there are the, the like Ted's burgers out here is one of the original burger joints up this way is really good. Um, and there's a number of really good ones that are up this way. Um, Whataburger out in Texas is pretty good, but not the best. I mean, when Texas Texans talk about that, they're talking I've never, about like it's the second coming. Right. Yeah, yeah. Whataburger is is it like the in and out of, for Texas? It's yeah. like everyone's got it. With White oh God, come on now! White Castle's for basically if you get really stoned and you want to get you. a bunch That's of shitty burgers. We're on the same level. Cheese is what burgers. I'm saying. I agree. I agree. Yeah. 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 I like the good quality. Like, it feels like it came off the grill at your house burger. Yeah, okay, So, it. it's a lot of local joints that I I'll like go to nice, like, that have that. to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're bougie. There, uh-huh. there, there's some other beers that are out here, like Artisan Burger that we have up this way. They do a lot of the farm fresh stuff. It's good. It's, you know, again, I if it comes off and I feel like it just came off of, like, the backyard barbecue, that's where I'm at with the burger. Mm-hmm. Do you it's, like it, you gotta have bougie burger, like, with no, egg on I don't, top, I don't, or you're, like, a purist? No, I don't. I don't need all that shit. If you got to bougie it up, it ain't good. All right? Okay, it ain't okay. good. The more shit you have to put on something to make it taste good, it ain't good. Okay, so can I give you actually my take on In-N-Out that I I piss off a lot of people. I order a double-double plain just the meat, cheese, and bun. That's like Jacob. Mm-hmm. And I everyone's love like, it's all like, what? I was arguing about this with someone the other day. And I'm like, listen. I like the sauce. I'll take I the sauce. like give it the plain. Sauce. If it's good, it doesn't need all that other shit. If the meat, the bun, and the cheese is good, why else do I need all this other trash? I'm surprised you say that because you're here for the mayonnaise moment. And to me, like, their Thousand Island dressing is so fucking good. I don't like Thousand Island. I love their dress. I love their dressing. Wait, okay, sorry. We're on a tangent, but I want to know one last thing. Uh, One bite pizza, barstool sports moment. What's your favorite pizza? Like, you have to die with this pizza. That's the only pizza you ever get again. What's your pizza of choice? One place. Oh man, that's that's really good. All right, so I'm gonna have to go with. Um, there's a place called uh, Worcester Street Pizza that's right around the corner. It was actually on, uh, I think Man vs Food or whatever. But they got some of the. It's simple to the point, but they got some of the 
best just regular cheese, pepperoni, whatever you want on the planet. And it's got the perfect amount of sauce to cheese ratio. Because some people, they don't have enough cheese. And some people, they don't have, you know, they have way too much. They gop it on there and everything no like that. They find too much cheese. <laughs> There, there can be because if I pull, if the cheese just slangs off onto the plate and I'm picking it up and it's like, ugh, like you're like you're picking something off the ground in a dorm. Like I don't want that. Yeah, it's got to yeah, have yeah, the good yeah. ratio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's got good authentic Italian style sauce. It's Ooh, none of this you. like jar Ooh, shit. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So this is actually kind of funny timing because so we just dropped our episode this last week on dark humor. And oh, yeah. it's so great because I think this is somehow very timely with the fact that we're bringing you on because I really love all of the things that you're bringing, the energy you're bringing, all the things that you've done, this book you've written. Um, but let's start with like, you know, the very beginning. Like, what was it like for you being a NICU dad? Like, let's go back to that. It's a it's an extremely difficult situation. It's it's very hard because uh, being a NICU dad and just being a dad in general is difficult. But when you're a NICU dad, you're balancing two people that are the most important in your life, you know, your wife, um, and your, your child, your baby. Um, and for me, I, I couldn't help either one. Like I couldn't physically do anything to change that. I couldn't take the pain away. I couldn't take what my wife was going through. I couldn't take the emotional pain, the physical pain. I couldn't protect them from the situation. And as a guy and as men and, and dads, that's our job. That's our main job is we're supposed to take care of them. And we're supposed to protect them from harm. And day one, you already kind of feel like I'm already behind the eight ball on this one. I'm not being able to do that and take care of them. So it was very difficult and eye-opening. Um, and a lot of times when you're in the NICU, you're kind of looked at, you know, like, okay, and dad. You know, it's it's mom, baby, and dad. Um, and I noticed that I was just a little bit different with that. I was very hands-on. I was very involved. I was very into the care and everything with that because I just had so much invested in that situation and everything that we had gone through up until that point with my wife. So for me, I was all in 110%. And I see some dads that are out there that just aren't in at all, yeah. you know, whether they're NICU dads or not. And it, it breaks my heart to see that, but you see a lot of dads that just never showed up at the NICU. You see some of these babies that dad was never there and whether they were never there to begin with or what, they just never came and was part of the process. And it was very rare to see that. So, you know, for me, three years later, being more involved in all the things I've been involved with, I still get that that look like you're a dad doing this. And typically it's an area where women are more involved in and advocating and being involved and kind of they look at that. So you just did a meme. Was it yesterday where the meme was something to the effect of the diaper, the diaper where you're like. I just changed the poopy diaper and put it at the, what it, uh, you know, on, on the, the wing. Oh, I did my part. For, yeah, for the nurse the to weigh it. And, I, and then I was just like, thanks for doing your part, dad. <laughs> like, love you. <laughs> it's so great. But, okay, I love that you're touching on this because, you know, as a NICU dad, I think it is interesting because I think so many dads just, like, freeze up. They just don't know what to do or, like, how how to do. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's just like that weird place of like, where's your place in this and figuring it out. And I love that you just jumped right in there. Got to jump right in 100%. What was it like changing your first diaper? Especially because, I mean, okay. Oh my God. Dad struggled changing a diaper on a full-term baby. Yeah. You had a 25-weeker. <laughs> so yeah. like, yeah, yeah. that's a whole new ball game. 
it it felt like Ethan Hunt in Mission Impossible. I felt like I was being lowered down and like you got the sweat. You don't want to sweat and you don't want beads of sweat coming down on the wires. You got all these wires running into them. I mean, it looks like a server at NASA going into this kid with the wires, you know, like there's everything going in and you're like, can I touch them? I'm like, yeah, no problem. And the nurse is like, yeah, no problem. Lifting them up, doing around, like flipping around like it's like they're at NASCAR like a pit crew at NASCAR. I'm like, yeah, no problem. I'm like, they're a pound. What are you doing, woman? What? You're going to break them. Like, I, I thought my, my nurse was like Drago from Rocky. Like, I will break you. Like, like, hey, 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 chill, chill. Hey, but the first time changing it, I mean, I was probably the most scared of my entire life. And I've been into combat all over the world. And that was more scary than anything else because you don't want to break them. You've never changed a normal diaper, yeah. um, and now you change this little diaper with these tiny seeds. It looked like weed <laughs> seeds or something. I, I'm like, is, he's like, that's the poop. I'm like, no, that's a seed. That is not poop. Like, are you going to make another child from this? Like, plant it? Like, and they're like, no, Mr. Wood, we're just going to weigh it. Weigh what? The diaper weighs more than the poop. Come on. And and this thing's like this big. Like, I should get like a special handicap. It should be like golf, where like you get a handicap. We we did, and you know we did. We still have it, and some people make all these shadow boxes and things like that. And I think eventually we will. But um, it's interesting to see uh, the difference between that. Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah. So it it definitely was an same thing for my wife. I mean, she gravitated to a little bit more. I think that's where I was the most nervous is getting into that and the initial holding. That was the hardest part, being that he was so small. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I spent 20 years in the military. I retired actually in 2019, about a year after my son was born. Um, so I went in 1999. So you guys might have been in like, you know, middle school or grade school at that point, depending on how old both of you are. Um, okay. So, okay. So, <laughs> Um, yeah, I went in in 99, uh, I was at the 82nd airborne. So I jumped out of airplanes for a living and, uh, did that for the first five years. Um, I went to Afghanistan right after nine 11. So nine 11 happened. And a couple months later I was in country there. Uh, I was in Iraq, Egypt, Israel, uh, South Korea, uh, worked in, you know, telecommunications and, uh, infantry, just a variety of things and just led different people all throughout the world. So I'd, I'd always been in, in leadership positions as a, as a non-commissioned officer. And I really loved it. Um, it, it taught me so much. It was just a great experience. I met so many people from all walks of life and all, you know, all kinds of upbringings, like where they came from. Some were from affluent families, some were from families that were just very poor, poverty stricken. And you get a chance to talk with people from all these different places. And you're on the same level, you know, you're going through the same things together. Nobody's better than anybody else. And it taught me so much about interacting with people and seeing things completely differently than anybody else, uh, which was, you know, it was great for me to be able to do that. And I made so many lifelong friends to this day that if I, I mean, I call these people up and if I ask them to come and, and help take care of a situation or help be there, they'd be on the next flight, you know, and you don't find that very often with other people. You know, they say, I'm your best friend or I do anything for you. But these, these men and women that you serve with, um, honestly, you know, 
that the stuff that you go through bonds you for the rest of your life. And I still have ones that reach out um, to this day and, and check in to see how my son's doing, how my wife's doing. You know, they're going to be in my area. Like they want to stop by. And, you know, it's it's something that I think is great for a lot of people. It gives them a purpose um, and an ability to serve something that's higher than themselves. And I think the two of you are very similar to that, where you're you're in an industry where you're serving people and helping people for a greater good. You know, you're not doing it because you want to make all this money and you're going to get rich and whatever. You're looking to help <laughs> no, people. <not> and, <laughs> yeah, probably not. And, and, and if you're looking to get rich in the military, uh, it's even less you're going to get rich on that stuff. Uh, that's for sure. But um, I loved it. Uh, came back here in, in 2019 or 2009, went to get out of the GI Bill, went to school, um, you know, got three degrees through the GI Bill. So I have no student debt, no any of that stuff. And um, got to serve here in Connecticut, met my wife. And then we started having, we had a kid. And at that point, it was time for me to get out and focus on that, where a lot of people are kind of reverse. And by my age, they've already got grandkids. So I'm a little bit different on that. We're, we're on the elder millennial side, and we're still not in the kids. I'm a dog yet. mom. We're, we're plant mom, moms. So, uh... We're podcast moms. <laughs> so being in the military, you've obviously experienced more than the average person or civilian. And then being a NICU parent, you've experienced more than the average person too. Do you think your time in the military helped you kind of even just process the experience of being in the NICU? Oh, 100%. I mean, it, and that's where a lot of, you know, the, the ability to adapt, you know, your dark humor, the things that you have and how you process things and work through things, you know, when you're, you know, in those fields where you're seeing trauma, where you're seeing death, when you're seeing, you know, the worst part of life, you know, it allows you to process things completely differently and see things and compartmentalize and say, I need to get this done or need to do this done. And I could deal with those emotions later on. Uh, the, the object for today is to get my, my wife or my son through today, get home and, and move on with that. And the military teaches how to compartmentalize that. So it definitely helped me because once you've seen all the kind of crazy stuff, some of this other stuff is really kind of meaningless. And you look at it, you go, it's, it, this is not a big deal or that's not a big deal. And it, it really did help me quite a bit. Uh, uh, maybe once or twice where it didn't land, I think with some of the maybe doctors or people, um, that were there, you know, they don't, I don't, they don't get that, but I, I bonded quite a bit with a number of the nurses, but especially the, uh, the respiratory, uh, therapist, uh, this guy, Cliff, like he and I would go back and forth and he would just come in and just, yeah, like he just had that temperament and he knew, when to give me a joke and I give him something and that got me through quite a bit. Um, you know, I often made more people laugh than anything else. And that was a way for me to kind of deal with the situation too, by making jokes and, you know, being able to see the light side of that and cheer my wife up a little bit. And I think people bond in an odd way through shared emotions, even if they're really crappy emotions and tragic emotions, they kind of share that and they're able to, I guess, process it a little bit better 
um, and take back those negative emotions and process it with something that's positive to a degree. Wow. Okay. Well, I will go back and tell my teachers in high school, suck it. All right. Off. <laughs> I'll agree with that. I'll agree with that. And essentially, it's NICU parent memes, or you're coming from the parent perspective. Mm -hmm. And I freaking love it. It's one of a kind. There is no other. No one else has done this. And I love it because you're bringing the humor to something that I feel like you know, everyone puts NICU nurses in this like, you know, angel bracket. And I think it's funny because a lot of us feel like we're actually have some of the sickest humor. Like we actually oh, you have to. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, I think we're humans. terrible. Like some of the things that we say and we do, we're like, people put I us call in the this, baby like, an asshole. Yeah, absolutely. I, like, <laughs> I literally like had my little preemie D7. I'm like, you're fucking asshole. asshole. Yes. And it's funny because, you <laughs> but know, they are. But in the parents, they are the last <laughs> And you're like, that. please, please let the parents not be here when I said yes. that. Yeah, I yeah, it out loud. The They're my asshole. Yeah. And I will fight for that asshole. I will hurt anyone who even comes no, to but the with parents my asshole. But that's my asshole. <laughs> <laughs> the parents that we always connect with the best, though, always have the best sense of humor. Yeah. And what I love about it is you're kind of bringing in that community. You're starting to, like, you're creating that. And I love that because I do think. You know, for example, you worked in military. We work bedside in a hospital where there's not a lot of great things. And I do think there's that element of you got to laugh a little mm -hmm. and you got to like have a minute. And well, my just... sister, who's a peds oncology nurse, floated to NICU and worked alongside me. And she heard me call a baby like an asshole. <laughs> and she was horrified. People are always like so surprised. And, we're like, and I'm like, like, well, I guess you can't call like a, you know, a little 10 year old with cancer an asshole. That's right. probably not. Yeah. That, that, that might be crossing the line. You might get canceled over that. Yeah, but like a you baby, know. it's kind of like a puppy. But, but she was like shocked. Like, what is wrong with you people up here? And I was like, no, but it's like my little. Bad. Yeah, but people but, underestimate how quickly they get their little personalities. Like these little babies, you know, they figure oh. it out real quick. They know. And they like to mess with you. Mm -hmm. They do. They do mm -hmm. things on purpose. Sometimes mm -hmm. I'm convinced. I'm like, you know exactly what you're doing, baby. <laughs> You little son of a bitch, you. <laughs> okay, so let's paint the picture really quick. Actually, no, I want to go back to this. Uh, because prior to NICU, I just want to back up. So you guys went through IVF, and I'm just really curious just to touch on this really quick. From the male perspective, what was IVF like going? What was that journey like for you as a partner? Uh, lots of things. First of all, expensive as fuck. Uh, <laughs> There's so that. even, you know, we even we had some insurance that helped out, but even then we had gone through... IVF at Yale New Haven, and we had gone through a couple of ones that were not successful. So we originally went through IVF uh, because, as I was, we were talking about earlier, my wife has uh, PKD, um, and it's a genetic disease, but it only shows up in about fifty percent of um, the 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 eggs. So there's a there's a chance that you could skip 
an egg or find an egg that doesn't have it and be able to skip that over and egg, increase your chances. But we unfortunately were not able to find that process and be able to do that quite yet to ensure that our son didn't have that because that was a big worry for my wife. Um, but we went through that and then we went through another one, um, CNY in New York, and they were night and day. Like Yale was clinical um, and just very like hospital-like where you go in there, where CNY would be like, you walk into like a spa with like hippies that were running it. And they're like, hi, I'm Moonbeam. I'll be your, I'll be your spa nurse. That's, Tori um, what, that's, like, exa- that's, like, that's some California energy. Like, like they had some, California. some rock salts. They bring whoa, you in whoa. there. Like, um, yeah, exactly. Salt lamp in here? No, I took it down. Yeah. <laughs> she kept making fun of me. I had to take it down. <laughs> so, I mean, you had to go in there and, um, you know, you went to this thing and, and it actually worked out better there. But my, my wife went through so much and she went through and she was driving two hours from Connecticut to upstate New York, uh, twice a week for not only in, checkups but fat injections so she was doing lipid injections to like or drips to like help with the process and doing all this stuff and then we were doing the injections at home and i was helping her do the injections so the worst part about that is that i'm giving her these injections and she's also getting black and blue so i kept worrying that somebody thought i was beating the shit out of her because she looked like a domestic violence person and like if she wanted to she could just be like I'll call the cops and you'll be gone. <laughs> All I'm going to do is show them this stuff. And I'm like, please don't. And it really, like her body took a beating before the pregnancy to do that. And it, it hurt because we would t- have a couple times where it would take for a few days and didn't take. And then you go through that process and you have to wait and she's blaming herself and, it, and it's not her fault. You know, she's going through all these emotions. And again, you're trying to console but you don't know the right words to say. You're, you're not a, a woman, so you have no idea what the horm- hormones are like and what she's feeling and all that. So all you can do is be like, they're there, you know, I, whatever you need, baby. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, you don't know what to say. Like, I'm sorry, we'll get through this. Like, a lot of times people will say, we're sorry for your loss, or people will say things and you, know, you get pissed off about that because you're in this emotional state. But um, I think the hardest part was, it, it was really, since this is kind of a... Uh, has to be a more saucy and, and salty and sauntry kind of show. Mm-hmm. The hardest part was uh, my part in the process at, at IVF uh, for, for us guys. Uh, and no one talks about this, so you'll be the first to ever hear this story. Here we go. Um, the, the donation uh, wasn't exactly as, as glamorous as I thought it was going to be. Um, you didn't like their magazine selection or Come what? Come on, Playboy. First of all, First of all, it, in both places, it was it was literally an eight by eight room with an uncomfortable chair. Um, it's very clinical looking, and they didn't even spring for mind you, we're paying twenty thousand dollars. They couldn't spring for a flat screen TV. Come on, it was a now. it was a, it was a nineteen inch with with VHS and DVD combo in it. Why all right, all so like now that? seriously, <laughs> like you are making material? so much money. You can't even give me a widescreen with headphones. You know, I don't want to, you can't turn the volume because you can hear people walking by. Oh my gosh. All right. There's doctors literally going, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. They're talking about, oh, did you talk to Miss Johnson? And you're like, stop saying it. I'm in the middle of something right here. So, <laughs> and you're in a time crisis. <laughs> and you're in a time crisis because your wife's in the other room getting her eggs out and you got to do the thing. So it's going to be fresh. You're like, and you're like, don't do this for two days. Two days. I was like, oh my God, seriously? So uh, Wait, hot damn. I'm like, no one talks and then, about it. Yeah, right. Like, and, I'm like, that is not. Okay, so bring in your own headphones and, you know, 
get up, pull and up. your own porn. <laughs> Here and your own porn. And your own porn. They okay. only had eighty percent of the magazines. Eighty like. percent of the magazines were were one gay porn. Oh. So it was. <laughs> Eighty per, I'm on, on both sites. Eighty percent. Oh. So it and it was 1990s magazines oh. and DVDs. So Different Jetta Jameson was the newest one oh, in wow. that one, and she's at that point. She's already in her 50s at this point. So <laughs> I'm like, all right, well, this isn't gonna work, and you and you can't invite your wife in. So you're like, so the second time I went, I brought my own my own stuff, laptop. I was good to go. All right. Queued up, ready to go. Because I, I got I only got Wait, like five minutes. Why can't you have your partner and, in there? Is there a reason for that? You can't. Why? Because they're in the other room getting their eggs out. Oh. So it's like a time process for some oh. of this stuff. So you do that the first time. They, they check your sperm count. So that's like, okay, whatever. And you can actually do that at home and bring it in. The time when you actually go to do the process, Gotta it has be to be like fresh. So fresh they literally right. are like, she's waiting on you in her stirrups. And you're like, all right, this is the time where you need to be a two-pump chump. And, and you're not. <laughs> can't do it and you can't you're like literally come on be the worst guy possible just just go it's the one and time like, it's nah. acceptable to right. make it quick yeah, yeah. And you this is it's, it's like a rodeo yeah. it reminds me of the uh, tiktok how am i supposed to live laugh love in these conditions <laughs> so if you're out there people that are doing these fertilities i suggest that you spend a little bit of money mm. some ambiance us guys don't need a ton yeah. but a little bit yeah you know make it like a like a strip club or something. Yeah, maybe okay. a, D- maybe a DJ that comes up and says, neon lights, a little, you know. Yeah, a DJ. A sense that reminds you of like some yeah. strippers. Like some bachelor pad feels. In I there. don't even care if there's somebody that goes in and welcome to this, welcome to the room. Adam, Adam. Thank you, Adam. <laughs> something. Make it, you know, make it a little bit about me so I can put my best effort forward yeah. because this is going to be the kid. Is chair that... even comfortable? I was going to say, like, leather chair. No, no. <laughs> it's like a leather, it's a, it's a, it's a clinical leather chair. It's not, it's, Ugh. it's made to be able to be just go in and do whatever you got to do. Yeah. And you just, no carpeting, no, any, it's just so, ugh. Yeah. Like, That's a sad I, reality. It's, wow. it's not even like it's the other side of the hospital where you have privacy. I could literally hear everyone talking and I'm pretty sure I heard a guy in the next room. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> That they don't even soundproof it. Oh. That makes that actually makes it worse for you. Yeah. It's horrible. It's a horrible experience. Okay, well, well, even like think about there's like people that have like pee anxiety, like they don't even like to like pee or poop in public bathrooms. And now you gotta yeah, like release yeah. some literal. That's, that's pretty private. That's pretty intimate. That's an intimate yeah. moment. You know. I mean, imagine if they had to tell you girls like you gotta release your thing on command. And you know this is a big. It's a big part of our process in order for you to be pregnant. Like <laughs> no baby would ever be born. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Humankind would end. Oh my god. Okay, so let's uh, let's morph from from this situation, and then next step we go into the NICU. But I'm actually I am really curious about this. So let's paint the picture here. Day one in the NICU. Let's set the mood. What was this experience like for you? Well, it's definitely not like the last experience setting the mood. Um, <laughs> yeah. It it was so so scary. It was a it was an emotional cocktail. Um, it, it, it had, you know, vodka, it had, you know, rum, gin, everything into it because you're like on these ups and, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like just uh, whatever in there, just, you're like, oh my God, it's ups and downs, but you walk in and all of a sudden they're like, okay, you're going to have a baby today. And you're like, what, what did you have an idea that she might deliver premature? Was it completely just like, whoa this is happening 
like the office style, like, oh my God, it's, it's happening. happening. It's happening. <laughs> kind of a little bit of A, a little bit of B. So my wife at about 23 weeks, my son had always been tracked a little bit behind um, through all of our follow-ups. And at about 23, 20 weeks, 23 weeks, she went into the hospital for a couple of days um, with severe high blood pressure. And because of her, her genetic disease, PKD, her blood pressure is already way higher than for her norm. So her baseline is completely different than you or I. So she could be 180, 190, and it, she'd seem fine where you and I would be on the ground, like out. So we went through that, you know, got out and then went back again into the hospital about two weeks later. And they said, okay, we're going to try to get you to 28 weeks. And we were just, just before the 25 week mark. And we're like, are we going to try to keep you in the hospital for three weeks to 28 weeks? Um, so we're like, okay. And we stayed there for four days and I walked in on a Friday and my wife says, we're going to have a baby. Um, they're prepping it. We're going to be set up for noon. And I was completely shocked. I had no clue what to, to expect. Um, we still had a whole nother trimester according to the books that you read and all that other stuff you're, you're catching up on. So I had no clue what to expect. I was so scared. I didn't even know what the baby would look like because you talk about the development and all the things that happened in the third trimester and all this stuff. So you're like, is this child even going to survive? What is it even going to look like? Uh, and no one can prepare you for that. There's the books don't prepare you for that stuff. They don't talk about that. So I was completely scared and I was trying to the whole time maintain this cool, calm persona while inside I'm screaming at the top of my lungs, like what the hell is going on and what am I going to do? And trying to get my parents and her parents there and deal with all this. And, um, I had to go down to the NICU and, and our, our, one of the most significant people that would be in her life, you know, um, Ellen, she was one of the head nurses there and she'd been in the NICU for a number of years. Um, and she showed me everything. She answered questions. She gave me, you know, this, this child's a 25 week or two. They were born yesterday. We have the best technology and it's great, but you're still panicked. You're still, it's, it's, it's a, it's an eye opener for you in a way you never thought possible. Um, and then I, I went back upstairs and, and everything was prepped and my wife was, Got the magnesium drip, so she was ready to go, and um, we were behind there, and just the whole time waiting for everything to happen. And um, you know, you're behind this curtain like the Wizard of Oz, and all you hear are these people working their way back there and tugging away. And uh, they had, she had to go to a C-section, and they the baby comes out, but you don't hear anything, so you automatically think the worst. You see all the movies, you you wait for the the cry, and you never hear the cry. And uh, they finally said, "Oh, he's got a cute button nose." And I was like, great. Son's got a little cute nose. Awesome. And uh, they will pull for anything. Yeah. We can get, okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, anything we can get back here. Anything <laughs> at all. Like maybe he's like, he looks fantastic. Like how he's cute. Even if he's not. Like maybe work on, maybe work on your delivery people. All right. Some open mic night, something anyways. Yes. But they brought him into that next room and, and they said, Mr. Wood, would you, you want to come see your son? And so I, I said, yeah, but I, it was mixed review. It was mixed. Um, you know, cause I walked in there and I thought, what if my, my wife doesn't get a chance to see him alive? What if I'm the only person that gets a chance to see him alive? She had gone through hell, literal hell through IVF, through in and out of the hospital, through doing everything humanly possible, all the mental and physical, and she doesn't even get a chance to see that. And a lot of hospitals are like that where the dad gets to go in first, depending on the setup. And I saw him, I saw the team hand pumping him and it was 
it was a miracle, but it was so scary at the same time. And she got to see him for a brief second as he went by, but you got all the stuff. And she's not going to get a chance to hold him, not going to get a chance to touch him. Um, and then they had to bring her upstairs, and uh, they had to start pumping her and, sh- and getting her ready to go and do all that stuff. And then I had to go down to the NICU and, and see him and see all the wires. And you're processing everything. You know, the nurse is doing their best to explain everything to you. And, you know, you're scared and you're trying to retain it all. Um, and then you have to go back upstairs because, you know, typically the, the wife, the mom doesn't get a chance to see them within that first 24 hours. You know, they're recovering. And uh, I remember sitting in the elevator just practicing, looking at there was like a mirror in there and how my face was going to be when I went in to explain to her what was going on. Because you have to have a kind of a poker face. You have to keep it as positive as you can and make sure that she keeps a positive mentality. And uh, it's hard to do that because you're, you're just in real time processing everything. Uh, and it was very difficult to, to have that first day and, and to go through that experience. But um, it's a day I'll never, 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 never forget. And, um, you know, every day somebody's going through that right now. And it breaks my heart because there's a dad or a parent that's going through that right now. And they're dealing with the worst possible situation they can they could possibly fathom right now and trying to figure out, you know, is there going to be any hope? And it, sometimes it's hard to find that hope in that situ- in that moment, in that situation. So it was definitely a, a hard first day. Did you, I always am interested with NICU babies, especially ones that come premature. Did you already have a name picked out for? Or yes. Did, okay. Because sometimes yeah, it's so, so funny. Like my whole life goal as a NICU nurse was to always convince someone to name their baby after me <laughs> if they hadn't picked one out yet. And it, I just, I was never successful. And it's honestly my biggest failure. All I was the closest life. you'd ever get. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, but I always be like, do you have a name picked out? And they'd be like, no. And I'd be like, Sam is versatile. Samantha or Samuel. Sam or Samuel. Just, yeah. Samuel. Samuel almost happened. I was so close. Yeah. yeah. Well, your name is in my book, so <laughs> I just want to let you know that. It's because it's one of the, it's part of one of the pages. So I kept it like universal names that you go either way, but no, we actually had that uh, picked out. I can't believe my wife actually agreed to let me name our son. What we named him. So, um, but yeah, we had it picked out ahead of time. That was the only thing we had picked out. Um, room wasn't done. Nothing was painted. Nothing yeah. was bought. You know, you didn't have a baby shower. None yeah. of that stuff. Yeah, people so don't realize yeah. when a baby comes out early that oftentimes they haven't done any of that yet. Yeah. So sometimes no. I remember delivering a look at dad and be like, does baby have a name? Because I hate just calling a newborn and be like, baby, baby. Yeah, yeah, have yeah. a name already. And sometimes the parents would just look at me with a blank stare like, we don't even know what Sometimes just we'll pick a name and we'll just be like, it looks like a... Frank, you know? <laughs> okay, wait, I really want to know this because uh, you're like one of the dads could answer this honestly. Did you really like all your nurses or were some of them like kind of assholes, you know? Oh, there were a couple. Honestly, 90% of them I loved and swear to God, I would give them I would give them a, a lung or a kidney or something like that oh, if they asked God. for it because they were some really... And, and they are, a couple of them are in the book um, because they made such an impact. They so cool. literally saved their lives on several, his lives on several occasions. And Brady had a thing with all the, the nurses would come in and he'd have his, you know, five or six nurses that would come in. It doesn't matter what shift. And they were always so great with him. Um, I think the nurses that were like the ones I didn't get along with was honestly um, the one that was assigned to him. Uh, but she... So she was assigned to him, but she didn't actually see him for like a month. So she must have been out 
So I kept seeing this one nurse's name, and I'm like, okay, we've only had Ellen and Amy and this girl and that girl. Who the hell is this person? <laughs> I've never even met this chick, all right? Is she real? Is she like a figment or what? Like, you just <laughs> use so And she's like, no, she's in another area. She'll be back in. And then she came back in, and she was, like, nice, but, like, Sometimes she rubbed me the wrong way where yeah. she was like, oh, that's normal for him. I'm like, bitch, you don't know what normal is. <laughs> I love You have not been sitting here since day numero uno. All right? You have not been here. And then you'd get a couple of the per diem ones that would do that. And I'd be like, I would totally go like a snap the finger saying like, nah. You that's don't know like, anything. Like, rule number one. Okay, because I'll say this. I work per diem as NICU, but I know. You can tell. When a baby's been there for a while, like, you read the parents. And, like, they know we were just having – we just had another um, interview. We we're just talking about this. Parents are the best resource for us. They know their babies. You guys are there, what, what we were saying, like, more often than the nurses. We do, what, one shift, right? Well, you're there every day. Even a full-time nurse is only there three, three days, days a week. week. Right. Yeah. I mean, some of them pick up more shifts, Mm -hmm. but me, (laughs) yeah, I mean, (laughs) there was a few doctors. I mean, nurses for the most part were really good. Um, The staff and other departments were actually really good that didn't even, they they weren't even medical individuals. And that was actually what made some of the impact for our stay there. So that was, you know, definitely a good part of our experience there. You, like we touched on your military, you obviously were overseas, you were deployed after 9-11 there's a lot of ptsd with the military as someone who has been in the NICU like I don't think people give enough credit for what parents go through as what we call like even NICU ptsd Mm -hmm. and um especially for the moms but even the dads can you touch on that a little bit Okay, before we get into that, I have to mention what my new go-to baby shower gift is. What is that? Mommy Labor Nurse. We had her on the episode, and her birth courses are fire. They are. We had her on the previous episode, and this is very on-brand for our episode today. Yes, you guys, they offer online birthing classes and resources for pregnancy and birth. This is where you can gain the knowledge and the confidence you need to erase the unknowns of pregnancy and birth. So they offer three main courses. You can sign up for the all-natural focus, the epidural focus, or even the C-section focus. And if you use code SELFIE10, C-E-L-L-F-I-E-10, you are going to get 10% off of the courses. Exception does apply to their all-access pass, but if you head to mommylabornurse.com and use SELFIE10, that's C-E-L-L-F-I-E-10, you are going to get 10% off of your courses. We've talked about it before. I will say it again. You know the drill. Resume RX is the place you need to check out if your resume needs to be spruced up. Yes, you guys. If you want to stand out and land the career of your dreams, you need to head over to Resume RX. I have used it. Sam has used it. And many healthcare professionals that we have recommended to have used this as well. This is fill in the blank solutions for your resume and cover letter. If you head over to the link in our bio, we have an amazing link there for you for Resume RX to land 20% off of your purchase. Again, head over to the link in our bio, check out Resume Resume RX and save 20% off. All right. Once you've perfected that resume and you have the interview, now it's time to nail it. Yes. 
So we have created a 28-page ebook. It's a digital download for you guys that provides the nurse pro tips that you need to land that dream job. So we cover everything from your nurse nursing interview prep, your job interview 101, the things that they don't tell you. We go through your portfolio breakdown, the things that you can do early, social media consider- considerations. So if you guys head over to the link in our bio, we have that for you. Again, that's our complete nurse interview guide. Head over to download that today. And my personal favorite part about it is the bonus practice interview questions. You are going that alone to me is worth purchasing it alone. We go through a lot of the things that we have collected over the collective 18, 19 years as nurses. That's aging us a little and bit. And the bajillion we interviews we've been on. Yeah, here we go. So we You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. Selfie approved. Let's get back into the show. Yeah, so there's certainly NICU PTSD. I think, you know, more often it's, it's with mom than dad. And for good reason. You know, there's more emotions that are going through, um, physical emotions, you know, things like that that are happening that a, a man just simply can't understand in any capacity, um, nor should he. Uh, you know, PTSD, it, it strikes everyone differently. For some people, I, I, I've been in combat, and I've had random things where I have a minor thing where I, a flashback or something goes off and it brings you back. And I've had friends that, you know, been in the same situation and can't even function on a day-to-day life. You know, so everyone processes PTSD and things differently. And I think it goes back to the dark humor. The more you're able to process things and compartmentalize and be able to make jokes of things in some capacity, it allows you the PTSD to be lessened to a degree. Um, But it certainly is one of those things that happens, you know, here and there. But one of the things that has helped me with the PTSD is by doing things like this, doing podcasts, doing the, you know, the memes and the funny stuff, um, interviewing other parents on Instagram or Facebook, um, doing the book just being an advocate and talking about this as frequently as I do, because every time I tell the story, it gets a little bit easier and it allows a bad situation to be transformed into something more positive. That's going to help somebody. Whereas my wife, as an example, has not processed all that stuff. So we actually did a a month or so ago, our son at our hospital, he's, um, he's part of the foundation. He's an all-star child. So he is kind of a, an ambassador for the hospital we did the story where we asked as part of it to tell our story and they were going to piece it together for this big promotional thing. And this whole thing that's going to happen in a few months, you could tell she hadn't told when she talked about certain days, she hadn't processed it and said it out loud, even to me. And it was very difficult for her to do it where when I did it, I had done that story 20 or 30 times. Um, So for me, it was easier for her. She had processed that. And I think with PTSD, you need to talk to somebody, you need to process it, you need to get it out, and it allows you in some capacity to be able to deal with it a little bit better each and every time. It doesn't cure it, but it allows you to exercise those demons that are plaguing you and bothering you um, and be able to live a, a little bit more productive life. Insert meme here. Yeah, for sure. Insert, insert memes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, so speaking of which, how did this even start? Yeah, like, let's get it. Where this. were you just like... All right, we're going to go for it. About a year or so ago, I um, you know, I had the idea to write the book, and I wanted to do the book from a more humorous standpoint, and that's how I kind of look at a lot of things, and I had an idea of what I wanted to do with the book. But then I started the, the Instagram and the Facebook stuff, and I just said, you know what? I'm going to have this book, but I want to also create stuff on the day-to-day to help motivate you know, parents and dads and things like that. And it started with a couple, 
And then before you know it, it just became, you know, every single day doing more and more and more and engaging with people more and more and more. And people responding back and just saying, you get my humor, you get what's going on, you understand that. And it just became fun to be able to share those experiences and and have that. So, you know, we took, I, t- I take things that we went through and I see a lot of parents go through and just try to create something that they can bond over. And then in turn, in the comments section, share with each other, like all the crazy stuff. And then you look at it, you say, God, we're not the only ones who thought that, you know, we're going through the same thing because when you're in the NICU, you're very alone. You're, you're secluded so much. You're not talking to anyone, but the doctors and nurses. Um, so sometimes that's the whole thing you have is to just scroll through and check out social media. And I wanted it to be something that was fun because here's the other part about social media with, especially with Facebook, you go to these groups and you can get sucked into the rabbit hole of everything. It could go, Oh my God, we're going to, we're going to be okay to this person commented and their son died. We're going to be going to this hot. Exactly. So with these, it's more of a, Hey, we're sharing the same experience, hope, funny, laugh joke about it with those things you post some of those things and then you look at the comments you're like i would tell my wife get out of the comment section yeah. stop reading this stuff mm-hmm. because she would just panic and you could just tell so it, it has its goods and bads with social media yeah but i love your instagram because the comment section you know why though because i think your instagram we were just looking at it it's just it's also funny because you pick things that not only parents relate to, but we look at these. I'm cracking up at the one where it's like when your pinky is exposed to too much bright light or noise and it's the little gremlin. gremlin. Yeah. <laughs> With like, the Santa so hat. Funny. It's just you hit things that are so on point and it's relatable. Do you have a favorite? Like of the memes you've made, you have one where you're just like, this is the one. This is it. This is my Mona Lisa. The one that went off that popped off more than any other. Actually, so the one that popped up the most is technically not, wasn't even a meme. It was really just more of a, uh, a quote about dads and what they go through and everything. And then it caught like fire. And I had like 5,000 different shares on this one from all over where people were commenting and then I saw, would see it shared on another site where somebody would share it on there. But I don't think I have one yet. I think I want to continue to create these. And I think just the feedback is fun to see some of the ones, some of them miss a little bit where, um, you know, somebody doesn't quite get the the humor behind it and right. it's a little bit too real for them. But for the most part, like there's some really, the, the poop ones are funny because it's, <laughs> Who gets the Always. who who nobody nobody weighs poop but like people that work in the NICU and have, have nobody NICU. gets excited about someone pooping, pooping except for like, yeah the, yeah the excitement you get and like when somebody poops and stuff and or when they pee through the isolate and they hit the nurse right in the eye that's based on a true story that was one of my first ones oh do you want to know what happened to me that made me a real NICU nurse I was literally so we had like we didn't have private rooms yet um it was like a pod. eight bed pod. And the nurse's station was at the center of it. So all the rooms were around the nurse's station. It was like a big rectangle. And so I was charting and this nurse was changing her baby's diaper. It was in an open warmer, so not an isolate. So it was, and it was a big infant of diabetic mother. So this was a big big old old Bertha baby. Big old woman. Big old old baby. Bertha. Big old baby. (laughs) And she lifted up her leg to change her diaper. And we heard this blast. And it shot across the room, and I felt like I was getting sniper, just like it sprayed my back, my hair. It 
sprayed me from the back and I just felt like I was being assaulted <laughs> by this just projectile diarrhea. And I, I see screamed. a meme coming out of this. I I see a meme, a nurse PTSD. And it's I a real yelled, thing. Like, Nikki nurse PTSD. I yelled, fuck. And it was like five in the morning. So it was like no parents were there, thankfully. <laughs> and everyone came running in because they thought someone dropped a baby. Because, and then my friend was just standing there holding the baby's legs up, just staring. And I was like, she's like, well, you're a NICU nurse officially. Because I was like a new grad. Welcome. Welcome. Yeah, <laughs> that was my introduction of being a real NICU nurse. I want to know how you do this because, okay, so in my humble opinion, to be a memer or to be a good one, you just like, you have to be really on the pulse of what's going on. Like pop culture, re- relatability. Yeah, he already dropped the squid game. Like, yeah, 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 you've already done squid game. Like, yeah. how do you do it? Like, how do you keep up with everything? And how do you find your creative process? Uh, sometimes it's just something will pop in and and I'll be in a creative mode and my wife is like, what the hell are you doing? And I'm like, 11 o'clock at night and I'm like, I'm not cheating time. on you. I'm creating, I'm creating memes. And she's like, what? <laughs> She's I'm like, you're 41 memes. years old. I'm like, I'm, hold on. I have, I, I've, I've got to, I've got to drop this tonight. It's, it's relevant. And so you go. Sometimes something comes in your head, and then, or you see one, and then you're like, oh, this is perfect for, and it just pops in my head. A lot of this just pops in, or I get PTSD. Something happens, and I'm like, oh, and then I start processing in my head, and I think that would be funny to do it that way, um, because you know, again, it it goes back to just having that that creative process that's always how i've been i've I've always been pretty creative with that sort of stuff um and you're talking about the 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 one i just had with the gizmo uh and i had one that was preemies are like mogwai in the beginning they're cute and small and they don't like bright lights and you can't get them wet because they can't take baths then you get home and some motherfucker gives feeds them after midnight and they turn into goddamn fucking gremlins all right because once they get home and they start getting to the toddler phase, these motherfuckers turn from cute yeah. and like fragile to tearing up your house and eating all your food. And it's true. So that's why I think preemies are basically the mogwai. They're so cute and everyone loves them. You know, they make these little cooing sounds. They're so adorable. And then toddler age. Freaking yeah. Bam! Devil creatures. Come at you. Creatures. Have you had? I, I want to know this. Have you had any Karens? Like who? Who comes at you when you come, when they come at you? Uh, not not too many, honestly. There was a couple that came out with, you know, I, I made some IVF ones when, like, uh, I I think I did one where it was like, um, something about like when you, this is the worst deal ever when you go through IVF to get this this yeah, only yeah, to have yeah, a one pass, and somebody was like. This is not funny. And I was like, Karen. okay, well, I guess you're not a Don. First of all, I, well, maybe you're not a Donald Trump fan because that was the, the person used in it. And then I was just like, it's horrible. How could you say that? I'm like, because I went through it, bitch. Like, yeah. I, I went, like, yeah. I'm not saying something that I didn't go through. Right. It, right. But you always get that one or two that just can't take a joke on anything. And I'm like, well, don't follow the account. Exactly. Like, I'm not, yeah. I don't go at it intentionally to be an asshole. I go at it to, like, look at it and say, yeah. Listen, this is relatable. your shitty situation, it's relatable. Yes. Like, well, you're we going through this. nurse, too, in our, like, oh, healthcare meme oh, yeah, situations that will be like, I would never, like, talk about my patients that way. And it's like, well, you must Bullshit. be fun at a Yeah, party. exactly. Come you on suck. now. Yeah. You're the, yeah. You're the bus coke because... nurse's station that ruins our 2 a.m. Yeah. fun. Yeah. Just because you have a degree doesn't make you above being a smash. <laughs> and unfortunately, unfortunately, it's kind of the culture that we're in. That everyone wants to, like... Yeah. They, they get off on one of two things, either creating something funny or fun or trashing people that do it because they don't find it funny. Right. And that's the other part of it is that 
even in your jobs, you guys make a joke and everything to cheer each other up or cheer a parent up. And next thing you know, you're on the carpet, even though you saved 2000 babies that year, a, a random joke just to, to break up the monotony could, could ruin you. And that's, that's the hard part, mm-hmm. but not too, I, I haven't had luckily too many. I really do enjoy doing what you are doing because truly you are actually making a community. That's the whole point, right? Is like you're starting this little this page where it's relatable and everyone in there, like you get it, like you're a part of it, like you understand it. And that's yep. if you don't get it, then get out. <laughs> exactly. That it's a community. It's I always look at it as premium adventures. Is we are all on the same adventure together. We are going through the same experience together, and it is an adventure. It's a crazy adventure, but. I want every parent that comes and finds it to be able to find not only funny stuff, but resources, other people that are helping out in these communities. Because when you're in that situation, the only thing you go to is Google. You look at Google, you go to Facebook, you go to whatever. You're trying to find a resource, a book or something, and Mm -hmm. you're stuck alone because unless you know somebody who had a preemie, who do you contact? You know, you're you're stuck in that situation. So you wrote a book. No big deal. Yes. No big deal. <laughs> no big deal. I mean, Super no. cash, just in your free time. Yeah. Um, what was this process like? Like, where did this idea stem from? Give us all the juice. So it stemmed from from this guy right here, my my son Brady. Um, but it stemmed from sitting in the NICU, as we just talked about, and you're reading all these books, and I read everything. And when I say everything, I was reading the charts that you guys left behind. I was reading, um. <laughs> Like history books, anything that that was left behind, I could read to my son to get a positive feel for him because his stats would go up when I would read. So he'd like listen to my voice and I would read. So like I couldn't talk anymore, but I noticed there was not a lot of books for preemies or for the situation you're going through. A lot of the things that were out there were either journals or books for um, maybe a sibling or a couple of parents wrote a book. But some of the books were, I'll be honest, were a little bit on the sadder side. Um, you know, they were based around loss. So I looked at it and said, what kind of book would I want now that I'm out? And if I'm sitting by that isolate, what I want, if I'm a parent to says, this is my book, this is for me, this is what I'm going through right now and gives me hope. And at the same time, a book that you can read when you get out to your little one, um, you can enjoy yourself. They can enjoy when they're older and say, you know, this was our journey and this is something that's very true to us because when you're a parent and you're reading those books, every now and then you get a book that you just cry at. You can't get through the book. I wanted a book that you could kind of cry at, but at the same time, you just knew this was made for me. This was made by somebody who was in the same situation and that at the end of the day is going to give them hope because somebody did some went through the same problems we did. They spent all this time and at the end of it, they got to go home too. And that's what I really wanted the message to be because it's a celebration, the whole book of all the milestones, the funny things, especially the milestones that we celebrate as parents and nurses as well, because the nurses, they would celebrate the milestones just like it was the Super Bowl. They do all these little pictures and congratulations. And it's all the little things we appreciated. And the things that a lot of parents don't realize that a lot of parents are going through the same thing. Like, you know, somebody in, I just, uh, did a podcast with a mom. She's in Ireland. Um, her experiences were almost spot onto the book. So we're sharing the same experiences all over the world. We're going through the same things together and now you can read it and you look at it a little more positive light. And that's what I wanted it to be something that was a little more positive and uplifting. Um, and I think it, 
it, it really worked out well and I was very happy. And, um, but it was a long process to get the book from start to finish. And it really started with just a few sketches and ideas. And then it took about a year and a half for me to go through between illustrations, publishing, going through that before the book was available back this in June uh, when it came out. And it's been so far really well received by everyone that's got it. I mean, people that have reached out to me have really enjoyed it. How did you narrow down the con- like the content to cover? So I took it through, I looked at it from a milestone perspective. I looked at it from beginning to end oh, I and like I said, that. yeah, so what are the major milestones that you're going to celebrate through your journey that a parent's going to go through? And then I said, well, how do I make this funny or heart or heartwarming? One of the two or both. So I, I looked at, you know, um, the first bath, you know, the, that experience, the, the first time you get peed on, you know, that's part of that. And that for me, it was getting a bath and getting peed on was the first thing. And that was, <laughs> that's part of the, that was in the book. Um, it was the nurses that often fall in love with your, your kid and they do all these things and you see them. And we had all these nurses that were so sweet to him and, you know, would bring little gifts for him and say, don't tell anybody. And I saw this cute thing, you know, all those things that, that went on the G tube that we had, um, the CPAP coming off of the vent, coming off of all these little milestones that you have. Um, and also letting parents know that it's a slow process. It's a slow and steady thing. You're going to go forward and you're going to take some steps back um, and that, you know, it's all the measurements, the ounces that you you count every single day. And next thing you know, there are pounds that you're counting. So it really looked at it from those perspectives, all the milestones that we celebrated, the big moments that we felt were in his life all the way through to getting ready to go home and leaving. So I looked at it from that. And then from there, I just kind of took off and said, well, how do I want to illustrate this or how do I want to write this down. And a lot of times I rewrote the words half a dozen times. And in some ones, it just came off perfect. Like it was just the perfect way to end it. Um, and actually the beginning and the end were the easiest to write. It was the middle that was the hardest. Mm-hmm. Um, but the illustrator that I found was amazing. Yeah, um, you're, he was really, I would all say this. I love the look, everything about the book, the current the way, the caricatures, or I don't know how to say that caricatures. It's just, it's, it's very, it's lighthearted. It's fun. Yeah, it's wonderful what you guys created. Yeah, he, he did a great job. And, um, you know, I found him and he didn't know anything about preemies. He had no clue. Um, I sent him some some ideas and sketches and he came back with something. And I said, that's it. You know, that's what I want and I'm looking for. And, uh, you know, he, he helped create all of this along the way. And, um, you know, he added things in there that I thought were really great. And I, I carried forward in the book. Um, and one of the big things is, the octopus that's in there um, and it's on the cover and everything else. And throughout the book, the octopus was really only supposed to be on a page or two. And when he drew it originally, it was like lifelike. And I said to him, you know, why did you draw it like that? He's like, I kind of feel like it's, it's lifelike and it's kind of its own, you know, little character. And so we created that all throughout the book. So every page, this little octopus is by his side, just like in the isolate, it was by our son's side and a lot of other kids' side. And it's their first, basically, comfort, their binky, their their blanket, their whatever you may have it. Yeah. Uh, and it became his best little buddy. And, you know, we, it, it really just flowed throughout. And it was a really amazing experience. And uh, I think the best part of it was that my parents and my in-laws were in the book and didn't know they were in the book. That's so they didn't find out about them being in the book till it was released. And I read it at my son's third birthday. Okay, how many people oh. cried? 
everyone cried. But uh, mission accomplished. You know, so I I had them illustrated, and so I read the book, and they had did get a copy. I specifically did not send them any of the pictures as I would get you know illustrations in. I would share some of them with them about how the book's coming along, and they were so excited. And then when it came out, it's just to have them in the book. They they were just because they were such an important part um, in helping us get through the through everything, both in the hospital and outside the hospital. And I wanted it to be a celebration and a thank you to a lot of people that helped us along the way. Um, and that's why I think the last page is my favorite page. What is the last page? So the last page is is I actually have it right here, but um, it's goodbye to the doctors, nurses, and crew. To the special friends that helped more than you knew. The day's finally here when we get to go home, but in our hearts, we won't be alone. I mean, I still like go to birthday parties <sighs> of my like seven year old Nikki baby, yeah. so that like hits me in the feels. <laughs> and, I'm like, and it, it, it's true. A lot of a lot of NICU nurses and we were there. Stop making um, me cry, our, Adam. <laughs> I know, I'm trying not to. I'm trying to make you laugh. Uh, our, our nurse actually brought us out, you know in that process and to meet another family that was in the same spot. It is now 10 and they introduced us That's and said, crazy. you know, you know, this is, and, and every year they would come on his birthday for 10 years and visit the NICU and drop off presents and everything is part of the process. And it happens all the time. I talk to parents and 99% of the things that are happening out there for preemies are all parents that are yep. seeing a need or for something every, every, and yeah, giving every back. Every design for a preemie has been designed by a We, are, the people that yeah. we've had on have all been Nikki parents mm-hmm. that have done mm-hmm. that. Yep. yep. Such a don't great cry. Legacy. Don't cry too much. <laughs> such a great legacy you're leaving. No, it is. It's funny too, actually. I wanted to say this. I'm, I meant to say this earlier after I asked about the question about you with your nurses who were potentially assholes was, <laughs> I bet your nurses actually fr- freaking loved you because um, you're one of those parents I can just tell that like, keep it real you keep it real and you're funny when it's funny but then you have moments where you're serious and like you're a softie though you're softie but like i (laughs) i would say like as someone who's taking care we've both taken care of potentially thousands and thousands of parents like you're the kind of parent that it's just so easy and i love that you're doing this because you're really taking that you're making something that's so hard but you're just like you're really bringing relatability to it you're breaking it down you are bringing some humanizing to it but then also it makes it as as someone who works in the bedside it's heavy it can be very heavy but it's so nice to have a parent who wants to make it fun and light and relatable and you also you touch the heart in the right times you know what i mean like it's just it's cool it's really cool i appreciate that thank you yeah can you give us a little brady update oh yeah uh first of all the most amazing kid probably ever walked the planet um it it it's it's true. I mean, so he's three now, um, and he just passed his his. He had his third birthday in May, but he he would have been three. Actual would have been in September, but he is caught up so much. Uh, he is it's funny. I mean, he's just I don't want to say just like a chip off the old block, but he is like he's, he's just so cute. he he's laughs. Yeah, yeah. He he's he he's he's such a great kid. He loves life. Um, he just makes it so enjoyable that it's easy to do these sort of things because I want every parent that's in the situation three years ago, the the worst days of our life, and not to be a soap opera, but the worst days of our life, to understand that in a couple of years, it may not seem like that because it was the hardest thing in the world to be able to, to look back and say, yeah, it's going to happen. 
that you're going to have that great story. And that's why I continue to do this stuff. And that's why I share some of my story. And that's why I reach out to parents and dads, especially because I want them to be able to have that hope and say, that's going to be us. Because when I was there, my dad said, you know, I see you and your son and I see you playing catch and all these great things. And my dad's very religious and an amazing guy, but I couldn't see past the next minute. And I'm, you know, I'm clinging for everything and I'm emotionally destroyed by wife's like that. We we're just exhausted. And you don't see that. You're just trying to get through that moment that day. And every parent has to understand that you're, you're going to go through that. It's common. It doesn't make you less of a person. So, but Brady is, he is the reason why I do everything. And it, you talk about the military earlier. The military gave me purpose in a part of my life where I didn't have purpose when I was 19. I didn't know what I wanted to do. It gave me so much out of that. And then through this experience, it has allowed me to have the next part of my chapter of my life be helping people through this by creating not only content, books, other things, and things like that, talking to parents, mentoring, doing talks and everything, but to be a dad and to focus on that and to be the best dad I can be. And he's given me that opportunity. And being in the NICU, it you take Everything that happens after that, you just amplify it to tenfold how important, how amazing it is because you don't take anything for granted. At least you shouldn't. Um, so now when he has a milestone or does something great, it's over the over the moon because a couple of years ago, we didn't know if he was ever going to do that. So he's, yeah. he's just an amazing kid. What's your best piece of advice for NICU parents? Ooh, a couple of things um, when it comes to that. One is is to communicate with each other. Um, I think that's a big thing that a lot of people don't do. And I've often talked to other moms and parents and they say, you know, my husband doesn't talk to me or he keeps everything to himself. And I, I don't know what he's thinking or you're often thinking the same thing. You just don't want to say it and you've got this guilt. So talk with each other. Uh, my wife and I talked every day. We'd sit in the cafeteria. We'd sit outside on the benches you know, wherever we were walking around to clear our heads for a few moments. And we would say, you know, what's on your mind? And we would tell each other that, hey, I need you to be, you know, the rock today. I need you to handle rounds, handle everything. I'm having a really hard day and I just need you to take care of everything. And it was that ability to be able to say, okay, I know what I need to do. I'm, I'm sucking it up, even if I'm having a bad day, because, you know, he or she needs me to do so. And I think that helped us get through a very difficult situation. It actually brought us closer um, through it. And I know a lot of parents, it does the reverse, that the NICU can tear families apart. So I think that's a really important one. Um, the other thing is, is understand that it's not your fault. You know, I, parents, especially moms, will blame themselves for everything. And to a degree, it will weigh on dad because he's getting tired of like telling you it's not your fault and he loves you and he cares about you. And often, you know, mom doesn't want to hear that. Like she, you know, the wife is like, no, it's my fault. I should have eaten more watermelon. I should have done this. Or I should have done that. And at the end of the day, most of these cases, and I know there are some, and you guys have seen it, are not because mom did something wrong. Yeah. It was because of life, unfortunately, just happens and it's shitty and you can't foresee it. But does it mean that you're not a good parent and you're not a good person? And I think once you're able to get past that and realize that, you're able to process things. Um, third, 
be involved like dads moms as much as you can if if you can take time off great but be involved in the rounds in in the care the holding the changing ask the questions the more you know and talk the better off you'll feel because at the end of the day um that's what i did i got so ingrained to it that i felt like at the end of the day i was a nurse or somebody because I'd read everything. I was corrected that during rounds and there were times where they would say, we want to do surgery. Actually at one point they want to do a G tube surgery. And I said, no, I've watched the stats for two days. Now I felt them for 13 hours a day. I don't feel it's the right way. I don't feel, I think it's a good idea. Lo and behold, they go check the stats. You're right, Mr. Wood. We're going to push it off to next week. And so I think parents need to be, don't just assume, Oh, I'm a parent. I know what I'm doing. Get the information from the doctors and nurses. Find a, a nurse or two that you trust and just say, give it to me straight. You know, what do you feel yeah. in your heart, your experience? And if those you can nurses trust will. in them, those and they will. will. And they if will. you give them the autonomy to say, yep. listen, if it were me, you know, yep. without being like legally responsible, yep. they'll give you the feedback that you're going to need to make an educated decision. But at the end of the day, it's your decision. Yep. Um, and I think the last part is, is screw everybody else um, in your life and to, in the way, the way I said that is you're going to go through a very hard time, a difficult time, depending on what your journey is. And family often will put more stress on you because when we were there and even when we got home, people did not talk to us because we did not want them to come over or we didn't want them to come to the hospital or we couldn't update everybody frequently because imagine your worst day you're, you're, you're sharing that. Then your next day is your best day and you're sharing that. And then you're having to share your worst day with 30, 40, 50 people through text message and the emotional roller coaster. So I tell people, if people don't understand what you're going through, screw them. I don't care who they are, mom, dad, whoever you're going through a very difficult situation. Do what you need to do for you and your family. If you want to keep your kids secluded for three years, then so be it. Like our son pre, this is pre COVID. So we were already experiencing all this they didn't see most of the family. Didn't see my son until his first birthday, and but we I kept it that way. That. Absolutely. Yeah, you and did I mean, what you needed to do to keep your we always tell parents that. preemie safe. Yep. Yeah. We always say when you leave here, just make sure you are extra cautious and be okay being a mom bear and a pop bear. Absolutely. Yep, that's it. And a lot of people I've talked to said, you know, advice. Screw them. I don't care if it's mom. I don't care if it's dad. I don't care if it's your pastor. Yeah. Like, oh, you got to see so and so. You'll unfortunately you will find out who steps up and who doesn't. And ironically, the people that stepped up in our life were not the people were not the people we thought. Yeah. And we were thankful for it. Like, hey, so, if you want to bring me a meal, thank you. Thank you. Drop it off. Yeah. Thank you. If you want to take my car to get gas, thank you. If you want to do that, thank you. But right now, this is just not the time. Yeah. I we encourage parents to do that all the time. That is what... exactly. Do what you need to do for your family. Don't yeah. don't let anyone judge you for it. And if pe- people don't understand, screw it. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. So I think if you're able to you know, do those sort of things and understand that, um, you'll be in a, a good spot. You'll be able to kind of get, navigate the NICU and post NICU and all that. Yeah. Speaking to upcoming or all healthcare providers, what best piece of advice can you offer them? Well, one is, um, I would say be more involved in as much as you can and go the extra mile with, with certain parents and, and all parents in general. Um, but I've talked with, you know, doctors and healthcare providers and others about this as well. The more involved you are with them and taking an interest and going, taking the extra steps, the more likely mom and dad are going to be able to trust you 
and leave their son or daughter or daughters and sons multiple in your care, go home, be able to at least try to decompress and then recharge to come back. I think when they have a distrust of you taking their situation seriously, the way you maybe come off or the way you do your rounds or explain things, it leaves the parent not trusting the hospital and therefore not trusting the staff and the nurses, which you are probably doing a great job. So I think a lot of the doctors don't always have the best bedside manner, even with NICU parents, where I think the nurses have learned that process. They've learned when to be real. They've also learned when to be extremely sympathetic caring and nurturing. And I think that's a big thing that you have to be able to make sure that you do. Um, and one thing I, I would always also say is being there is pretend it's your baby, you know, pretend it's your child that's in there in that situation. Try to understand from that perspective of how that parent might be seeing things and understand what they're going through. And I think if you're able to put yourselves in their shoes to a degree, you kind of understand where their mindset is at. And you could also understand and anticipate kind of their thoughts and questions that they may have. Um, and, and I think that just takes time with people to be able to do that. Um, and I think the final thing was, and probably the most important thing is, do not ever tell a parent it might just be their time. I had a nurse, or not a nurse, a doctor who said, we're doing all we can. It's probably just his time. I think it's, we pull the plug. Ooh, oh, lucky you now. And, Dear Lord. Dear Lord. and that was the hardest day of our life. And we also had a, a, a doctor who that sent my wife to the hospital because she said, you know, there's still, he's still a little behind. I think we need to, ter we may need to terminate. And now my son is three years old and the most amazing kid and so smart. But if we'd have listened to them, he wouldn't be here. So every time I see those two or even hear their names or see them, I give them a big middle finger like, yeah. we overcame that. Don't ever say that. Like, I know it's your job to prepare, but don't ever say those words. And sometimes they may say it by accident or not realizing it. But hope is what gets us through it. And hope is what allows us to give us the strength to project that onto our baby and be there. And we, if without hope, we don't have anything. And I think that's one of the big things that healthcare workers sometimes forget is that we're going through the worst experience of our lives. Um, and we're not just a, a random person. And, and that's not all of them, but there are some out there that just are probably the best in their field, but are not the best at being a human being, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, I love the fact that you're inspiring people. You're creating this book, this legacy, like you're really touching you're sharing your story and Brady's story and even your wife and the IVF journey and everything. So and bringing some memes along the way. And bringing the laughs <laughs> and the memes. So it's like you're a package deal. You are. Like I just yeah, Sam and I really appreciate everything. And I know for the community as well, like for people who are just hearing your story here today and you know, we'll start following you and maybe order their book for either themselves or a friend or who knows, maybe their hospital picks up on, on your book and starts giving it to all their parents, you know, that's, we'll this is the kind of resource that I think these are the, the things coming from NICU parents that, you know, Sam and I keep hearing over and mm -hmm. over these amazing things. And you are just, we, I, I'm living through your beams. So let me just tell you that. So <laughs> keep that up, please. Cause I love it. So, selfishly. Where can we find your book? Where can we find your memes? Oh. 
Yes. So you can find the book. uh, It's pretty much in 30,000 different areas online. So primarily Amazon, Target, Barnes & Noble, Walmart. But if you look at just Google, Our Premium Adventure, you can find it everywhere. Um, There's distribution centers in 30,000 locations all over. Um, You could also go to We'll link yeah. it in the show notes too, just so you yep. know. We'll link you can go to, um, as well as you go to premiadventures.com. Um, so that has that only where you can purchase the book. Uh, it also has swag as well. So not only did I create memes, Ooh. I've got Ooh. I've got swag and stuff like mm-hmm. that for parents and funny shirts ah. and things like that. Uh, mugs, all that fun stuff. All the proceeds that from the t-shirt sales and that stuff does go to NICU. So we donate um we pick one charity or NICU every month and we donate whatever we get from that. Um, so that. that goes oh, to that. Awesome. Um, and you can follow me awesome. on uh, NICU Adventures on Twitter uh, and Premium Adventures on Facebook and Instagram. And that's where you get all your great memes and um, all your great stuff. And uh, this month, we'll actually, I'll, I'll send you guys a link. On the 20th, I'll be doing a um, NICU Dad's Perspective with the Tiny Miracles Foundation here in Connecticut. Uh, with another NICU dad, uh, Ted Yang, who also wrote a book. Um, his book's actually about um, his three kil- children and unfortunately lost one of them. So it's more of a serious book, uh, but I'll be doing that on there. So again, reach out to me. Um, I've also got a donation page on my uh, on the premiumventures.com. Uh, once I get the donations, we're trying to get $3,500. Once we reach $3,500, uh, we're going to do a run of 5,000 books uh, and we're going to donate all 5,000 oh, books okay. um, to, 50, to 50 NICUs or organizations around the world. Right now, we have about 20 that we've already confirmed. Um, so once we hit that thing, I'll order that. And if you want to be one of them, um, reach out to me through Instagram, uh, through rpremiadventures at gmail.com. Um, get me your information, and we'll send it out to your hospital. We'll yes, selfie squad. I was gonna say Let's selfie squad. Come on, get them to the we'll do, Yeah, Sam and I. Sam and I would like to also donate. We'll we'll do it, but we would oh, love thank for you. the selfie squad thank to you. donate to that too, because I think this is just a good cause, and everyone we together. I appreciate. We yeah, that's the goal is to awesome. is to get five thousand, hopefully by the end of this year, um, and then find people that are willing that make We're that happen, and Let's then share some families. Yes. <laughs> Let's go. Selfie energy, selfie NICU dad energy. We love it. Adam, thank you so much for everything you brought to us today. Uh, we will link everything down below for all of our followers. Yes, um, thank you for the laughs. <laughs> yeah. Real. Thank you. I love real. you guys. You guys are awesome. Inside scoop. <laughs> uh, we appreciate this so thank much. You. This was awesome. Obsessed with Adam. <laughs> That's some dad Nikki energy right there. Well, poop. <laughs> oh, my God. Of course. Here we <laughs> no, go. No, that was so fun. It was like, I love talking to meme, meme people. Yes. Meme people are like my kind of people. They just, they just get it, yes. you know? So, um, and as always, you guys know, we've linked all of the resources down in the show notes for you guys. Thank you so much for listening today. As always, make sure you're following us on our Insta. That's at C-E-L-L-F-I-E underscore podcast. Check out that link in the bio, you guys. We have all the goodies there for you guys. And if you can please take a little moment, go to iTunes, leave us a review. We will send you free swag, free stickers, free bad reels, pins, the whole shebang as a thank you token of our appreciation. And it takes two seconds if you guys want to click those five stars. Those are always ways to help support us as a show. It means so much to us. We absolutely love reading all of your rates and your reviews, and we will be sending out those swag bags later this week. So get excited. Make sure you leave your Instagram handle in the review so that we can find you, get your address, send you our goodies. But we appreciate you so much. 
absolutely we love you guys and make sure you're following us on our insta that's at nurse tori and at hey samantha with two a's and stay tuned for a bonus friday let's go bye, bye.